Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones. The Football, the football podcast. podcast. Hello, good evening, and welcome to the latest episode of Game of Thrones, or as I like to call it, the Rory D Lab of podcasts. We've been away for a week due to illness and technical difficulties, but we're with at least a short episode back this week. And my name is Philip Appenroth, and I'm your host today. To not bore you with how LFC is the greatest thing since scrambled eggs and beans, I got company, and it is Davide. Davide, mate, how are you doing? I feel uh, quite sad after Tuesday night, uh, but it's my life. Uh, I mean, I, I am pretty used to see Inter losing ma easy matches like that one. Uh, so, yeah, it's fine. Let's focus on uh, the league and uh, Europa League. And let's talk about uh, this match in details uh, later. Indeed. And it looks pretty good in Serie A for Internationales, so let's not be too pessimistic here. We will introduce more and more charities to our audience and we will do that again this week. And we will start um, with a charity from my current home, Berlin. And it's called Berliner Kältehilfe and they have the Berliner Kälte Bus, which is like a bus. In general, it's a charity that takes care of homeless people living in the cold in the cold month of Berlin. And believe me, it gets freezing cold up here. They're trying to pick up homeless people and give them food, clothes, warm drinks and try to organize uh, a place to sleep in one of the shelters. So it's a very, very important charity. And you will find all details on that one on our social medias. And yeah, it's it's very important um, to keep giving and to not only, you know, use these slogans and around Christmas, but, you know, to really help the less fortunate. And I think this is a great charity. So if you're living in and around Berlin, try to donate, try to help. Maybe it's a good idea for other cities as well, you know, to help people in need during the very cold month of the winter. Another charity we would like to talk about is one that actually just got set up and it's from the Celtic supporters, the Green Brigade. And it started following everything that happened surrounding their Europa League tie with Lazio Rome. Yeah, there were a lot of, let's say, political activities around the two ties. There was a clear fascist right-wing vibe coming from the Lazio supporters. So Glasgow, Celtic Glasgow, especially a club of immigrants, their supporters thought this is not going to happen. They set up this charity on GoFundMe.com. You will also find all the details on that one on our social media. Regarding how it all started, the idea to set up this fund and to set up this charity, Davide, you have seen the tie between Lazio and Celtic and everything that yeah. happened surrounding it. What was your perspective on all of that? What What's your view? It was a real shame for, for Italy to see what happened in Rome. Uh, Celtic supporters stabbed just because uh, 
they were there celebrating before the match, not even afterwards. The night before, 12 uh, uh, Celtic supporters have been stabbed in Rome. And uh, the answer was great. The answer was fantastic because they started uh, helping uh, uh, Baobab Foundation, <coughs> sorry, Baobab Experience, which is uh, a foundation in, uh, set up in Rome to help uh, immigrants and migrants uh, who are struggling now to live uh, in uh, in Rome and this uh, i think it's the best uh, the best answer to 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 the fascist uh, lazio supporters which i want to make clear not every lazio supporter is a fascist uh, i don't want to to make a general statement of hate against lazio just some of them have demonstrated not to have any brain and uh, went around the europe uh, singing fascist chants uh, and showing uh, fascist symbols and uh, stabbing people uh, in uh, in Italy or, or away. This was a, an incredible, a fantastic answer that is actually helping uh, a foundation set up in Italy. And it goes uh, with uh, an, a number of uh, very good activities uh, Celtic fans uh, have set up, uh, like uh, they are currently helping the Scottish Action for Refugees as well, which is, uh, as, the as the name says, uh, the, the Scottish uh, uh, foundation that helps uh, refugee people. If you can, help them, because uh, they are doing a fantastic job. And uh, follow them on the uh, Celtic Foundation, or also on the pages uh, they have set up uh, to sponsor their very good and interesting activities. Absolutely. But, Davide, I mean, from the outside... I get the feeling that there is or always has been this kind of acceptance among Lazio supporters and at the club that there's actually not a really, really small core of Lazio ultras that are not maybe only right-wing but openly fascist and showing swastikas and the Roman salute and, and all these things. What would you say... Why Why is nothing changing there? I mean, Liverpool supporters have been witnessing these kind of things in the 80s when they had these European Cup finals in Rome already. And I mean, we're in 2019 and it seems that not much has changed. So what's your view on, on the stagnating progress on fighting right-wing and fascist ideas at Lazio? Not just at Lazio, but in Italy, nothing uh, is done and no one wants to do anything. Last week there was uh, uh, quite an important incident in a, in a private meeting with um, uh, the CEO of the Serie, of Serie A, uh, De Siervo. Uh, he revealed to some uh, owners and presidents of uh, the clubs that his idea to fight uh, fascism and racist chants uh, is just to switch off the microphones uh, so people at home, people from all around the world, won't hear that. Not doing anything real <laughs> to, to resolve the issue, not doing anything to punish uh, the, the racists, uh, but actually helping them, hiding them uh, even more, even more than uh, they're doing now, because at least now, People watching uh, Serie A from around the world uh, on TV can hear them, can clearly hear them and can clearly identify them. 
if we just uh, switch the microphones off, how are we going to identify them? We are just giving them uh, a bigger excuse uh, to say, no, we didn't do it, uh, like they're doing uh, actually now, even if even against uh, the facts, even against the facts, uh, Verona, they're, they're keeping to, say, to tell us that Verona is not a racist uh, group, uh, that uh, Cagliari is not a racist group, uh, that Lazio is not a racist group. If we just uh, silence the microphones, uh, it's going to be easier for them uh, to, to confirm what they're currently saying, what they're currently lying on. So, yeah, it's... It's not a problem for Lazio, it's a growing problem for Italy, also demonstrated by the, the ideas, the intentions of vote uh, around the country. So it's actually a good moment to live abroad, <laughs> let's say. Yes, but with the growing incidence in England as well, and now even in Germany, I think Italy is not the only government with eyes and ears shut most of the time and trying to, to deny um, a very, very big and increasing problem in European society. Yeah, I agree on this, but when you see an incident in England, it's immediately addressed. In Italy, they try to minimize the club's stand for their supporters, trying to, to minimize or even deny what, what happened, trying to deny the facts. What happened last week with Manchester City, with that idiot doing uh, racist uh, gestures to Fred. Man City banned uh, the, the person from the stadium. That's it. That, that's the solution that should work uh, all around the world instead of uh, minimizing the facts. At least you can see something happening, something happening to face the, the issue and to make sure that people who does these things uh, faces the consequences of their actions. In Italy, they are protected. Yeah. Th this is the main difference. Yeah, absolutely. And on the topic of clubs being very decisive and very, um, very harsh and hard and rightly so in treating incidents like that, I would like to say that I'm very proud of my club, Liverpool Football Club, this week as the FA tried to make them let the Sun reporters come back and journalists come back to Anfield and report on the club as they have been banned because of everything surrounding the Hillsborough tragedy. They said, if you don't let them in again, there won't be an England game at Anfield. And Liverpool Football Club goes, okay, no England games it is. That was very, 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 very good from my club. And I'm very, very proud that the justice to those we lost at Hillsborough is way more important to our club than hosting England games. And fair play to the club for that one. Moving along now, we're going to the Champions League. The group stage is now over. And I would like to talk to you, Davide, about, about it group per group. And yeah, let's just start with Group A. No surprises there. Paris, our top spot, followed by Real Madrid, Club Bruges and Galatasaray. Yeah, no surprises there. Davide? No, yeah, no surprises at all. I thought from the beginning that PSG could have uh, won their stage because of, of, of all the problems uh, Real Madrid uh, are facing. But at the same time... Uh, 
there was no real competition between uh, from Bruges and Galatasaray to at least uh, make Real Madrid think they could uh, suffer a little bit. Easy, easy stage for for them. And good performances, good individual performances uh, from uh, the attacking players of uh, Paris Saint-Germain. Icardi demonstrated uh, to fit very well in this uh, in this team. Uh, Icardi demonstrated, I, th- I think he scored six, seven in the first uh, six matches, which is very good for for him. This this was a. Uh, Probably the easiest, the easiest group to spot for um, for the quali- for the qualifications. Definitely, and when we move along to Group B, we have a very similar scenario: Bayern Munich with a perfect score in the group stage, winning six out of six with twenty-four goals to five and eighteen points ahead of Tottenham, Olympiakos Piraeus, and Svesda. Moving along to Group C now. We will have a look at the top spot, which is occupied by Manchester City very comfortably with 14 points in front of Atalanta Bergamo. And this is a surprise to me because I thought Atalanta, Shakhtar Donetsk, Dynamo Zagreb, I thought they have very similar chances to go through. And I thought that Atalanta would not would not cope with the extra pressure of playing European football. And as our Italian expert is here, Davide, what did you say on Atalanta? Well, after three matches, no one uh, expected Atalanta to qualify. At the beginning, uh, yeah, I thought they had... Ch- they lost 5-1 against Manchester City. Yeah, and uh, 4-0 against uh, Dinamo Zagreb. Yeah. I don't think they. I think they. Their goal difference is still in uh, in minus. Oh yeah, they're on minus four, mate. They're on minus four. Two, they're minus, minus four. Yeah, they are the first team. They are the first team in the Champions League history to qualify after uh, losing the three the first three matches. So hats off, well done uh, to to them. This is another sport miracle completed by Gasperini. Also considering that Christian Z- uh, sorry Christian Zapata, Duvan Zapata, not Christian Zapata. Duvan Zapata, the, um, the Colombian international has been injured for almost the the entire Champions League season now. So this is really really impressive what uh, what Atalanta achieved. You think they can go one further? Well, it depends uh, on uh, the team they pick. On the draw, yeah. 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 I would be curious to see them against uh, Valencia, maybe. Maybe they have chances against Valencia. Not, not of course, against Liverpool or Barcelona, PSG. I don't expect them to, to, to qualify against these teams. But against other teams, maybe. Maybe they can, uh, they can spare a chance. Yeah, we will see about that. I'm very curious about that one. I'm very, yeah, I'm very curious too. Also considering the first matches in San Siro, even even Manchester City struggled a lot against them. Guardiola uh, pl- praised their way of playing, their their very aggressive way of playing. So I think uh, I think with the first match in San Siro, it can be interesting. Can be really interesting to see them. They definitely earned their spot. Absolutely. Moving along. To Group D, no surprises there as well. Juventus topped the group in front of Atletico Madrid. Bayer Leverkusen goes to the Europa League and Lokomotiv Moscow 
is out. And when we move along to group E, um, that was a very intriguing group. We thought it would be much more comfortable for Liverpool and for Napoli to finish above Salzburg and, and Genk. And especially Salzburg with all their young, hungry, attacking players made it very hard for both of those teams. And at the end, still, Liverpool could have gone out on the last day as well as Napoli, but both kept their cool. Carlo Ancelotti, who has just been released from his duties at Napoli, finished off with a win in typical style, you have to admit. Like a gentleman, he left the stage. Gattuso is now the new man at Napoli, news from this week so we will see how the former AC Milan player and manager will do at Napoli and Liverpool yeah at the end quite comfortably um, in the next round I think it all depends on the draw how how far Liverpool can go because I think even with the cushion we have the focus is still on the league and we have to survive December with all those matches in front of us but yeah as expected, Liverpool and Napoli go through in Group E. Moving along to Group F, we are in the group of death. That's a nice rhyme there. It finished with Barcelona top on 14 points, Borussia Dortmund second on 10 points, Internazionale seven points going to the Europa League, and Slavia Prague, who were very, very good to me, deserved more than two points in that group. So it really was a group of death at the end. And on the last day, that was very, very dramatic. It was Dortmund winning or holding on to a 2-1 against Slavia Prague with very, 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 very good goalkeeping by Berkey. And Inter losing at home 2-1 to Barcelona. And there was a lot of drama surrounding that. And yeah, Davide, you can tell firsthand what happened and yeah how your view is on 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 the finish of that group and and what is inter going to do now what is inter going to do now i don't know i honestly don't expect them to go too far in uh, europa league unless they sign uh, some new players in uh, in january inter uh, had uh, all the chances to qualify barcelona stopped playing uh, after playing a, a very good uh, first half in which they probably deserve to be to be winning instead of uh, drawing 1-1 Barcelona stopped playing for the first time in my life I saw Vidal uh, walking on the pitch instead of uh, running and then when I saw that at the beginning of second half I said okay yeah it's it's done Inter has to win Inter cannot lose this match or draw this match Inter has to win but no three goals disallowed one uh, with uh, some drama because uh Despite not being watched by VAR, some journalists uh, claim that it probably was uh, uh, a good goal, but still it's, it wasn't enough. It's not, it's not enough. If uh, a club like Barcelona allows you to play and to, to do whatever you want, you have to win. You have to take the chance uh, and not let it go. Instead, uh, Ansu Fati became uh, the youngest scorer ever in Champions League uh, with uh, 17 years, uh, one month and 10 days. This is quite an achievement from a player we will hear a lot about in the future. But very, very poor performance by Inter. I'm really disappointed. 
I know it's difficult for for them to play now because they they basically everyone is is injured except except the eleven players uh, on the pitch. So yeah, they were tired probably. Still, they must have done more. They must have done more. Absolutely, I can agree. I watched the second half and I was in awe that Inter were just not able to break through this, let's say, defensively is still <laughs> is still um, not doing justice to what Barcelona were doing there. It was like, they were like saying, come on, Inter, score, try, we dare you. And, and, and it just didn't happen. Everybody was looking at Martinez, but I think... The responsibility in the Inter team at the moment, in my view, when I watch matches, is not so clear at the moment. There is a lot of focus on Lukaku and Martinez to do the to do the work, but I think the wide players have to do more. What do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, there are other players that that has have to do their job. Uh, we cannot. Uh, criticize uh, Martinez and Lukaku who at this point of the season already scored uh, 25 or 26 goals combined this is a lot you cannot always expect expect them to resolve the problems the problems here are with Brozovic who despite me loving the player is tired because he runs uh, a lot he's the the player in Serie A that run uh, the most uh, distance in the last uh, three or four seasons and he's playing constantly every single match 90 minutes at a certain point uh, he he's tired uh, and he loses his focus uh, and um, he cannot handle the ball and the game as he can do then we got problems uh, with uh, the wingers which are extremely important in contests uh, in Conte's way of playing. Uh, the problem here is that Candreva, which uh, started very well the season, surprisingly, is now injured. Azamoa is now injured. Biragi is just not uh, a, a player fit for for Champions League or for a top team. And at this point, I think the same we can say about uh, Valentino Lazaro, who started some matches decently in Serie A but never showed uh, the reason why Inter signed him uh, so convinced so we will see I, I really hope Inter signs uh, a, a good winger in uh, in January I have the name I want but <laughs> Phil knows the name already I'm not sure I will, uh, I will let everybody know now but come on say it I dare you <laughs> you dare me come on you Dare me to name yes. Alessandro Florenzi here. Okay, let's say it. Florenzi is now. Uh, you think he will leave? He will leave his beloved role. I don't think he will. The problem is that uh, he's uh, constantly on the bench with uh, Fonseca, and the results are for Fonseca because Roma is uh, doing a very good season uh, so far. So, if he wants to be to to be called by Mancini for for Euro 2020. He must play, and uh, the way of play, the way he has to play, is uh, going away, going uh, somewhere else. Inter with uh, Conte can be a good uh, destination for him because uh, he would fit perfectly in, uh, yeah. in Conte's uh, way of yeah. playing. 
that's simply why why I hope uh, he joins Inter. Well, maybe alone will be the solution. We will see about that. But maybe it's an interesting choice, um, and it fits perfectly as you just explained. And yeah, we will see what Inter will do. We just heard today that apparently Liverpool. And this has to do with what we just talked about, the Champions League group they played. They're about to sign Minyaminho from Salzburg um, in the January transfer window. And he's a versatile attacking player and he showed a lot of guts, desire, brains and of course technical abilities in this group stage. I hope we will sign him because we can use reinforcements if you look at the schedule. And yeah, that comes from a lot of journalists surrounding Merseyside, including Paul Joyce and Melissa Reddy. But we will see about that one too. Nothing is done and dusted yet. Moving along to Group G, which was actually the most daring group of this Champions League group stage and the one that excited Jackie Boy the most who is uh, absent for the first time today. And um, greetings to you, Jack. So, as it panned out, Leipzig won this group ahead of Lyon, Benfica and Zenit St. Petersburg. It was very, very even and very, very close. 11, 8, 7 and 7 points. And Benfica go to the Europa League on goal difference only. That was a very, very intriguing and fascinating group. And just as we expected, it was the most exciting one, apart maybe from the group of death. We're moving on to the last group, Group H. Very surprisingly, Valencia won that group. Level on points in front of Chelsea and Ajax missed out on the next round with just one point. And Lille, obviously, with just one point in the whole group stage, were the losers of these Champions League group stages, I think, in general. Very, very surprising end to that group. What do you think, Davide? Yeah, I wouldn't have uh, expected Valencia to, to win the group or, or even to qualify. At the beginning, my, my qualified teams were Chelsea first and uh, Ajax second. Yeah, for me too. But it, it may not be a bad thing for for Ajax because I, I cannot see them ready to win uh, Champions League or to to compete uh, very tightly like uh, they did uh, last season. However, I honestly can see them winning the Europa League. At this point, uh, I think they are between my favorites to, to win the Europa League. They have experience, they have guts, they have a willingness to, to impress, they have an offensive football that is always successful in Europa League. I think they can go to the end in, uh, in Europa League. I think Gertrude will be very happy about that. And yes, yes, Ajax is definitely one of the contenders for the Europa League title. And Maybe they can have their revenge on Man United and we can have Jackie Boy and Hertchen discuss that tie for us. But that's all in the future. So far, we can only say the Champions League group stages are done and dusted now. But we have to wait on the Europa League and then we can go on to the draws. And we will discuss this later on one of the next episodes of Game of Thrones. Moving along... 
and actually still sticking to the Champions League, we're going to a match where something very, very crazy happened, actually. At the end of Leon's match, last match of the Champions League group stage, there were supporters on the pitch holding up a banner to insult one of their own players and to tell them, you know, to, to leave the club. And it had a picture of a monkey on it. And Memphis Depay, right after the final whistle, ran towards those supporters and got not really into a fight, but into a scramble with them. And there were um, journalists involved and then stewards and then more players and more fans. And it didn't get out of control, but it was close to it. And I personally very much liked the reaction of Memphis Depay the solidarity he showed and that he, you know, just not only went there and tried to talk to them. No, as we already said, in our opinion, at certain points, talking is over. There is no discussion. There is no debate. And you have to take action. And Memphis did that. And I start to forget that he played for Man United and liked the guy more and more as he is always linked with Liverpool in the last transfer windows. Maybe we have to forget about his past. That's my hero of the week. I agree. Davide, have you seen it? Yeah, it was crazy. It was totally unexpected. Uh, such. A, I mean, apparently, in uh, I, I honestly, I'm not really following a French footballer, but apparently this uh, uh, fight between the player Marcelo and the supporters uh, has been going on for, for quite a while. I don't understand the reason why you should uh, insult uh, one of your players uh, on the on the pitch. Uh, it's it's just uh, against against yourself. It's against your team. You want your t your players uh, to perform. You don't want to to scare them uh, or to make them more nervous uh, by insulting them. It's it's so stupid that I cannot even uh, conceive the idea of doing uh, something like that. And taking a reaction like uh, Memphis did is just great. It, it's perfect. It shows the solidarity. It shows uh, the the brotherhood that there is between uh, between players. Uh, this is what a friend would do. This is what someone standing by your side would do. So hats off. Great, great display by by Memphis, who also scored uh, an important goal in um, in the match. So yeah, fantastic, fantastic. Hero of the week. I agree. Absolutely. Memphis made respect from the Game of Thrones football podcast for that one. Always. So we're moving along to our final category, as always, our top 11. We will go with the top 11 of the best players in Europe so far this season. But we will, as we always try to do it a little bit the other way around than maybe other football outlets we won't include the very very big names because obviously Lionel Messi would be in this one too but we will talk about very very exciting talents and players that are performing at a very high level so far this season first turn will be me and I will start with Erling Braut Haaland of uh, Red Bull Salzburg as much as I personally don't like the franchise of Red Bull the current team of Salzburg players is very exciting. 
uh, especially the uh, attacking trio of Wang Minamino and Erling Braut Haaland, who is the son of Alfinger Haaland, the former Premier League player that had to end his career because of Roy Keane being a d once again. But his son is absolutely on fire this season. 27 goals so far. It looks like he will take a detour through Germany to the Premier League because actually the big hitters of the Premier League and La Liga are already flirting a lot with him. But as one of Mino Raiola's agents, he has been seen in Germany this week. It looks like he is either doing a switch within the franchise to Red Bull Leipzig, which I would not like to see because then they could keep the the relatively small fee in-house and then, you know, sell him two or three years later for a huge, huge amount of money. But there is a second club in the running, that's Dortmund, and I think he would fit perfectly at Dortmund and he would grow into one of the best strikers in Europe, maybe. So for me, the best striker so far this season in Europe is uh, Erling Braudaland. And we will move along to the next player, which is Angel. Can I just add yeah, one thing yeah. uh, regarding Haaland? I, sure. I don't think a UEFA would, would see very well a move between uh, two clubs owned uh, by the same property. Especially if the fee is uh, quite low. I think they may have... But that happened before. Yeah, maybe, maybe with loans, uh, but... No, not low. They're, they're really selling players to each other, Salzburg and Leipzig. Um, it happened with other players before, so it wouldn't be a surprise to me, mate. Okay, fair enough. That's why a lot of journalists expecting either this move or the move to Dortmund. I think almost everyone in Europe would prefer a move to Dortmund because they're lacking another striker. And yeah, it would be a good fit in my eyes. But yeah, we're moving along to the next player, and this one's for you, Davide. It's Angel Di Maria. Angel Di Maria, yes. Uh, I honestly have never been one of his uh, best fans, but this season so far has been great. A huge number of assists, and uh, some of them crazily beautiful, and uh, a high number of goals for a midfielder. But what, what really impressed me is... The way he and Icardi, he and Mauro Icardi are playing together. One knows exactly what moves are the other one going to do and vice versa. They are incredible. Probably Di Maria is one of the five or six Argentinian people not to hate Icardi and they demonstrate it on the pitch. They are just great. They are just making the perfect offensive solution for, for PSG. Yeah, and add to that... Neymar and Mbappe and it gets really frightening. Yep. Yep. Moving along to the next player and this is a oldie but goldie. Jamie Vardy is firing on all cylinders this season and he's absolutely massive for that Leicester side who is now chasing Liverpool um, eight points behind in second place. What can be said about Jamie Vardy? Everything has already been said about this guy. He's He's the hero story of the decade in football and he's showing a huge amount of desire and hunger still with 33 years old and 
he's scoring very very important and great goals and his work rate and his 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 pace is astonishing at this age and to me he's with James Milner together he's the best oldie maybe in world football at the moment he performs on a hugely high level and yeah hats off to Jamie next one is uh, James Madison his last teammate who is really really developing into the player we would all like to see not only Beckham lookalike and not only having him as his idol he's playing in a similar style and very very clinical this season he's one of the most important players for that Leicester side and he's really shining under Brandon Rogers. and yeah he's making a, a big call for the England team as well moving on to the next one it's everyone's favorite Argentine striker at the moment tearing up Serie A defenses all the time it's Martinez Lautaro Martinez Davide Lautaro El Toro El Toro is playing finally uh, a large number of games uh, and showing uh, his potential last season uh, uh, he couldn't play along uh, alongside of Icardi because of the way Spalletti was uh, Inter was playing under Spalletti <clears throat> but this season with Conte and two strikers playing together always uh, he can uh, show his potential and as I said before with uh, with Di Maria, I'm really impressed by the way Martinez and uh, Lukaku play together. It looks like they both know what what the partner is going to do. So it's it looks like natural for them to play to play well together and to score a very large amount of goals. I don't think uh, Martinez will uh, will stay at Inter after this successful season because uh, his uh, release clause is relatively low. It's around a uh, hundred million uh, pounds, but with with the results, with the with the movements, with the goals uh, he's scoring this season, I can see him playing in a in a top club for Premier League or or La Liga with my top bet. If I had to bet uh, five pounds on uh, on a team, I would say he would join his uh, big his big friend uh, Lionel Messi in Barcelona. But I think he looks destined to be Sergio Aguero's successor at City if he doesn't go to Barcelona. But yeah, that looks more likely at the moment. Um, next one, Ciro Immobile. Davide. Immobile is a, one, is a very strange player. He always scored plenty of goals uh, in, uh, in Serie A with uh, Pescara, with Torino, with... With, any, with Genoa, with every single team he played, he scored uh, tons and tons of goals. Outside of Italy, nothing. He played for six months uh, with uh, Dortmund and was uh, sent off to, to Sevilla. He played for Sevilla six months and he's been uh, sent back to Italy. However, what can you say of a player who scored uh, 17 goals uh, in 12 matches of Serie A? It's insane uh, he just he just de delivers and delivers and delivers and delivers and delivers and and very important goals uh, except uh, on Sunday when uh, against the Juventus probably the most important match of the season for Lazio he missed uh, a penalty however Lazio still won 
but his his results this season are, are, are insane. If he goes on uh, this way, he would probably score more than 30 goals in Serie A, which is always something really impressive. Well, I guess some players are just meant to perform only on home soil. We have seen that in the past and maybe Chiro is one of them. Yeah, true. Moving along to the next one, it's Fabinho of Liverpool. Um, he will be sorely missed now as he's injured at the moment. As, in my opinion, added to Van Dijk and Alisson was one of the missing pieces for that Liverpool team to go on to the next stage, you know, and really deliver titles. And he already did that in May this year. Oh, in June, sorry. Um, yeah, and Fabinho is absolutely class this season. He reminds me a lot of Mascherano or Fernandinho in the way he plays. He's a very defensive midfielder, but has an eye for goal too, as we have seen against the title holders this season. So, hope he's back soon. And yeah, he keeps performing like that. Next one for me is Trent Alexander-Arnold. Boy, what a footballer. The passes he's spraying out this season, the one he fed to Robbo right before the, the assist to Salah for the second goal against City, or in one of the last two matches, the passes he's, he's, he's playing and the, the, the way, what a baller, what a baller this young kid is and, and he keeps performing on this high level. Um, he just has to get more stable defensively and will surely move into a midfield position in the future and i just cannot see him succeeding at the very top he has everything absolutely everything he has to have he has the right background he's grounded he's he's humble hungry he's keen to learn all the time and he's um, a special young kid and um the only scouser in Liverpool's team and, and the pride of the whole city at the moment. And yeah, long may it continue. And we're moving on to the next player, which is um, another Leicester player is Suyunchu. Davide. Yeah, Chag uh, I think I hope I will pronounce it correctly. Chaglare Suyunchu is Probably one of the best surprises this season. Everyone was was thinking uh, that Leicester City would have struggled uh, after letting uh, Harry Maguire go to United, but this lad uh, is show is proving everyone wrong. He's tough. He's classy. He can uh, handle the ball. He can stop the the the, the opponents, and he can make the the game uh, start. So. An absolute surprise, and no one would ex was expecting him to perform this well after a very limited experience with uh, with the club last season. So really, we everyone really hopes he can uh, keep on uh, keep on performing uh, like this for the for the rest of his career. He he would be fantastic, a phenomenal addition to to Leicester. Definitely, he looks to be the real deal. Yeah. Moving along to the next player, it's Kulusevski. Davide, what about him? Dejan Kulusevski is another huge surprise. Uh, he took Serie A as a storm. He's a, he's a midfielder who 
I don't want to be blasphemous now, but he really reminds me of uh, Juan Sebastian Veron. He's tough, he's uh, fairly big for being uh, such a classy midfielder, but he's got talent, he's got speed, he's got uh, pace, uh, and he's just 19 years old. He's 19 years old and he's already a Swedish international. He really has a, a very promising career on, uh, in front of him. And uh, guess where he's coming from? Uh, he's, he's playing for Parma, but he's uh, on loan from Atalanta. That may be a, a regretting now not having him for, for the next uh, round of uh, Champions League. Uh, he would have been uh, quite an interesting uh, addition to, to this club uh, and very interesting to see him uh, performing like this in Champions League. But I think it's just a matter of time for, for big clubs uh, to sign him. After, after what he's uh, showing now with, uh, with Parma, the, the amount of talent the player has uh, is insane. Yes, indeed. He has shown us a lot so far. So let's see if he's moving across any, any channel, I hope. Uh, next summer because he looks like one for the Premier League definitely yeah except I mean he, his, uh, his copycat Veron uh, didn't have a very good uh, experience in, uh, in Premier League maybe he, maybe he's more for Spain I don't know well we'll see about that one um, if he's technically gifted and patient enough for La Liga moving along to the last player who is from La Liga and another oldie but goldie and in this case as he's playing again for his boyhood club Real Betis Ballonpierre he's literally an evergreen it's Joaquin and this 38 year old Spanish legend in my eyes always one of my favorite players from Spain he is just doing it still on the very very highest level in La Liga he just scored a hat-trick against Athletic Bilbao to do it at this kind of age with 38 in one of the best two leagues in world football is absolutely astonishing so um, hats off to, to Joaquin for what he's still doing at this age so are you are you satisfied with this with this top 11 Davide? Yeah, I have uh, to say I'm really really satisfied. Yeah, anything to add? Uh no, let's I'm just curious to see if uh, players like uh, Kuruzeski, Soyuncu or Haaland keep performing this way in the, re in the rest of the season and in the rest of their careers because they are very young and talented players and we obviously hope uh, they will keep the to show everyone what they are capable of instead of uh, losing themselves like uh, other players like Adriano for Adriano did in uh, in the past so i'm really curious to see the development of these young players definitely we will see about that one well that's all for this week very 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 glad we could rejoin for this week to do another episode for the game of thrones podcast and as always it was an absolute pleasure to have you davide thank you mate thank you phil 
it's been a, an absolute pleasure and fun as always to record this episode. Definitely. And maybe next week, this lazy lot, which I think is doing Christmas shopping at the moment, will join us again for another episode. Until then, keep watching the football, keep loving the football, uh, watch our social medias for our social campaigns and for the charities. And yeah, keep going. That's all from us tonight. Good night from the Game of Thrones football podcast. See you next week. Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones. The football, the football podcast. podcast.